Hello and welcome to this episode of Influx, the podcast hosted by the Center for Internet and Society. Today we have a very special episode lined up which is the first part of our season 1 finale. In this episode we will speak to two designers who are working on the digital ID project at the Center for Internet and Society and uh, we have a very interesting discussion lined up on the role of design in this project and the role of design in research. So with me today I have Soumya Naidu and Pooja Saxena who are both designers working on this project. Soumya Pooja would you like to say a few words about what your role is in this project and its CIS? Short sure, I'll maybe start. So I work as a design researcher at the Center for Internet Society and my work looks at the intersection of digital technology and communication design largely. So some previous works that I've done have looked at how interaction design can have an impact on privacy and cybersecurity and I've also tried to say analyze or critically analyze some interfaces to evaluate this. Right now I'm working on the digital ID project and trying to conceptualize how research should be done in the project and also like how how visually can represent this research and document it. Uh, hi, my name is Pooja. Um, I've been contributing to the Digital ID project at uh, CIS part time since it started last year. The work that I've been doing uh, largely focuses on two aspects of the project. The first is, along with Soumya, working on implementing some design research methodologies to how we are studying digital ID programs across the world. The second aspect is about basically figuring out how best we can communicate this research to a wide audience and how you know the kind of serious and complex work that the researchers are doing on this project can be communicated in a way that is kind of easy to access and understand for people who don't necessarily have the expertise to understand digital ID. Right. Uh, thank you. Thank you Soumya. Thank you Pooja. So for our listeners who may not have any context on what this project is about do you want to briefly describe uh, the goals of this project or the research plan for it um sure this is what i believe will be about a two year project and the idea with this project is to answer these two large questions the first is about uh, the appropriate uses of digital id which is to say when should digital identity be used the second aspect is about what are the different technology and policy choices that are available when one is conceptualizing and implementing a digital id program and how can one make informed decisions about those choices so those are the two big questions that the project is trying to answer uh, somi do you want to add anything uh, i think to to my understanding as the project was also conceptualized we were trying to look at how currently digital id projects are kind of formed and and the frameworks are designed and how we should be looking at it so i think that's where it kind of originated from and uh, we also looked at how rights play an important role in in this context conversation we're looking at social rights economic rights of of citizens before looking at how the digital id should be formulated right thank you thank you uh, for that very interesting description 
Yeah, one unique thing which I'm hoping to focus on in this episode is how design is addressed in the digital ID project. And uh, from what I understand, design is not a key focus in a lot of uh, similar research projects. So how would you say design is uniquely addressed in the digital ID project? Okay, so uh, maybe I can uh, begin with that. I think uh, in, in usually I think design has been kind of uh, used in, in a way where we talk about visual design or we talk about product design or service design. I think here uh, what we are trying to get at is uh, looking design at a, as a more overarching kind of a concept where we try and see how what we intend to do with something or what is the anticipated kind of a result. So we are trying to say how uh, by design, we we want to create something, right? So uh, when we look at digital ID, we are trying to say that how do we anticipate the needs? How do we find out what our intentions are? And we design this identity system according to that. So I think I think that's primarily my understanding of how design should be addressed in, in such a project. So we conceptualize things based on this kind of intention and anticipation. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think while the goal of the project is not to create ID programs, what is I think what is proven to be somewhat helpful through the project is bringing this idea that Somya has been talking about of you know the needs of people and anticipating that kind of bringing that perspective when we are studying existing digital ID systems rather than you know focusing solely on policy or laws or you know, technology choices, but kind of bringing in what these systems are intended to do and whether they do them well as important questions within the research. And I think that perhaps comes at least a little bit from a designer's perspective that perhaps we're able to bring to the project. Right. Yeah, that is, that's uh, very interesting. So you mentioned that the project has started last year and, uh, Based on the research you have done so far, would you have any uh, ideas on how design can specifically help in creating better digital IDs or uh, what kind of a difference uh, the role of design will make in, cre- in the creation of better digital IDs? I understand that the project is not about creation, but I'm asking more about uh, a critique of digital IDs from a design perspective. So uh, I think from for me, when I talk about design, I, I think about it as a as an over as a broader process. I think about how you look at a, a certain situation and then you assess that situation and then and you look at ways of uh, resolving it or you look at ways of addressing it. So I think in this kind of a design process, Something as large as a digital IDs framework would mean that we look at the existing digital ID system of a certain specific country and then we try and assess what are the various advantages and disadvantages of it, whether it is applicable or not applicable, uh, whether it even should be there or should not be there. So I think in that kind of a very, very primary assessment, you follow a process of uh, questioning everything and critically looking at everything and then come up with some certain ideas of what the digital ID sh- framework should be like. And then in this kind of an approach, I think it's it's slightly different from a usual policy approach because then you're not assuming certain things, you're questioning all of the things. I think that's what sets it apart uh, in being a design approach. 
and also i think in in this particular project what we are trying to also do is to look at what are the existing systems and critically assess them and then to also look at what should be the framework ideally for any specific country to build a digital id system what should be the ways of evaluating it and what should be the ways in which decisions should be made for a certain id system um if i may add just a little bit i think for me one of the ways in which kind of design is playing a key role in this project even in aspects that are not being led by designers on the team is this idea of you know deliberate decision making and deliberate actions so across the work that has been done in this project a lot of it has been about how and why certain decisions are made or could be made or basically looking at different criteria that one must you know understand and hold a system against to be able to both understand it better but also to be able to evaluate better and i think to that extent this project is quite focused on design it, it it's looking at why decisions are made who is making them uh, what are the benefits or the disadvantages of a particular decision so i think that idea of how to make one's actions deliberate is where i think design is playing an interesting role in this project yeah so from what you're saying i understand that uh, this project is heavily focused on using a design framework or methodology as something that contextualizes all the research that is done do you want to talk about the kind of different methodologies or frameworks that are being used in the research on this project or uh, maybe the kind of uh, methodologies that you considered using and why you're using uh, the ones that you're using yeah i think somia would be a great person to talk about um the systems mapping approach that we've been using in this project right from the start so i think initially when we began the project we had a couple of brainstorming sessions and to understand what methodologies should we be looking at the one thing that we were clear about was to involve design at a very conceptual level in the project because in our previous experiences we had seen that we bring about the design approaches towards the very end or end of those projects where we are looking at only making the research or the work that we have done accessible to people but in this in this particular project we were trying to understand how to involve design methodologies at the very core of the project so one of the ways that we thought we could be looking at this was to involve systems thinking as an approach where we are trying to see digital id system as a larger system and we try to assess different parts of it we then look at how the system can be changed or improved or you know built upon in any way so that was one one kind of an approach that we were looking at and another was to also maybe look at something called a customer journey mapping which is used in a very service design terminology but the idea is to then look at how a citizen who has a digital uh, id and is part of that system goes about accessing any service and uh, what are the different touch points that they go through in order to access that service what are the different gaps in this particular journey that they have so these were the two primary approaches that we were trying to look at but uh, eventually we went with largely the systems thinking approach and we're looking at the digitalized systems of different countries and we're evaluating them or creating a visual uh, mapping of them using the systems approach could you also talk a little bit more about uh, perhaps with examples 
how the systems thinking uh, methodology was used in this project so i think what we began with was to see how how the entire digital id system can be mapped using system thinking approach uh, but we eventually had to understand how if you're looking at different countries and different sectors within those countries we decided to maybe create separate systems for or subsystems for each of those sectors within each country and when i say sectors i mean healthcare sectors finance sectors uh, education agriculture uh, welfare schemes etc also to maybe come back to systems thinking largely the the approach means that we are looking at a system which could be say water or sanitation or healthcare and in that particular system there can be various different entities for instance in a healthcare system there would be entities such as hospital or a doctor or a patient who is also a citizen or ambulance pharmacies medicines anything that can be part of that system is an entity of that system and in a system thinking approach you try and map all these entities and you try and understand how these are related to one another so for instance a doctor treats the patient a doctor is maybe also employed by a hospital a patient may go to a hospital and is registered there there are various ways in all of these entities interact with one another and exchange data with one another or uh, exchange some kind of a service with one another so there is a way of then looking at the system in in the way these relationships work and then you look at how the patterns of these relationships create the system so there can be different feedback loops there can be various patterns that are emerging from the way the system has been uh, structured eventually the system approach would be to understand how what can be changed in the system or what what could be identified as a as a leverage point in the system changing which could bring about the most impact and improve the system in some way so when you're looking at it looking at a system you have to understand if you're asking a question such as how can i make the hospital work more efficiently or how can i make this uh, citizen access this service more easily what should be improved in the system right so you're looking at it from those objectives or those questions and then you make the change in the system to make the most or the biggest impact uh, which is what the leverage point is is generally identified for so i think in in this particular project what we are trying to then look at is create these subsystems of different sectors in the countries and then we try to find this leverage point or we try to improve the patterns uh in these systems to say how the digital id should be more efficiently used uh, how should we minimize data collection how should we make sure that the at uh, the rights of the citizen is protected in all these use cases right so i mean i think also when we started studying digital id programs and one of the first things we started looking at was to study different kinds of id programs across the world so the first two that we already studied and have been published are uh, Estonia and the United Kingdom and there is more that are going to come out the idea also was that while all of us have a vague and different people's understanding is deeper or shallow that digital id is kind of all pervasive and it's everywhere and that sometimes is some manner of an impediment in really understanding its full-fledged impact right because it kind of impacts the lives of citizens non-citizens uh, everyone in sort of myriad ways so part of the kind of reason to go with something like this was to really understand 
how wide the web of digital id is as well so somya mentioned like all these specific subsystems that were identified so say health or welfare or education so with each of the countries whose national digital id programs um, we try to study through this uh, approach the idea was to pick areas of life where digital id had a very very strong impact and then study those as a whole so for instance in estonia i think we studied agriculture and mm-hmm. one kind of starts to see that their digital id has an impact on the kind of subsidies you could get but also has an impact on your land holdings and how you know those are administratively handled on your cattle and those are not things which uh, strike one immediately right just how pervasive it is so i so i think systems mapping definitely kind of helped us you know look at how pervasive everything is the other thing that it allowed us to do was by very clearly articulating one the relationship between the different stakeholders within the digital id system right so for instance one may not immediately think of your family doctor as also a stakeholder in the digital id system it just doesn't strike one but when you think about how digital id is being used in healthcare you realize that if you need it to be able to get treatment from your doctor then the doctor also becomes an actor in this very very large system so also just to be able to identify and put names to as many stakeholders and actors in the process i think was very helpful and then to map the relationships between them which helps us kind of see at what level what kinds of decisions are being made and that definitely helps one in understanding which stakeholders can or should be held accountable for different actions so that's helpful the third thing is that because systems mapping also helps us understand the flow of things between different stakeholders and in this case we focused on the flow of data we also looked at what services were being offered but a lot of our focus was on flow of data it also gives us a real look into how much people's data is traveling through these systems right and what kinds of data is traveling through these systems who has access to it who doesn't what kinds of things can you be excluded from in case that data is not provided for instance so it just allowed us to look at the workings of the program rather than just you know read and write about how it was imagined like this kind of helps us look at what the implications of such a program are and i think to that extent the approach helps us form a more complete picture of what you know an id program does look like the other thing that kind of happened while we were using the systems mapping approach is that at some point we realized that what would also be useful for us to map is how key processes of identification and authentication happen in different digital id programs because that makes a huge difference to you know who has access to it what kind of infrastructure you need to be able to do those things well so at which point we made like i mean to be honest we struggled a little bit with trying to map those processes as systems didn't quite find our answers because a process is often at least somewhat linear and systems maps are not linear right so then we kind of worked on creating a format of mapping through which we could map processes which i think is also quite interesting because what these process maps have helped us do is first delineate uh, something like you know for instance how do i get a smart card under the nhs in the uk it kind of looks at all the steps that i have to do but it also looks at who are all the stakeholders who are responsible for each step and that again gives one 
an opportunity to identify what Swamya was calling leverage points, right? To see mm-hmm. where there is possibility of one failure because of, you know, because something goes wrong, but also it allows us to see where there are failures inbuilt in the system, right? You can tell that at this step, there is clearly scope for a lot to go wrong. And that, again, gives one the opportunity to really study these systems as things that have impact on people's life and that perhaps need to be designed in a way that that negative impact is minimized and what is kind of maximized is the good impact that they can possibly have. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting in how many ways digital ID is all pervasive perhaps and it's also very interesting how this project maps the impact and the pervasiveness of digital id systems from what i understand uh, this mapping has been carried out for estonia and the united kingdom am i right so far yes i think we've got india which is going to be published soon and then there is uh nigeria right somewhere yes then there is nigeria Right. Could you tell me something more about how you evaluated the digital ID systems in these countries? Maybe by taking one country as an example and like the different things that you came across and any interesting findings through the framework that you used for evaluating it? So I would actually take a step back uh, and say that I think all of this kind of begins with a glossary that was created right at the beginning of the project, which focused on understanding and defining all the core concepts and processes in any digital ID system. So the idea there was to find a shared vocabulary which could be used while we were studying all these different systems across the world. So the project kind of starts on the one hand from there. And, and you know, I mean, depending on what your definitions are, the way you see things changes, right? So it is those definitions which in some way focused the mapping exercise in a particular fashion. So for instance, we said that we would map identification and authentication because those have been defined as core processes of a digital ID system. But also it allowed us to, you know, use a shared vocabulary when different countries would call things differently, right? Because in the end, those words are not just about their meaning, they're also like PR for any digital ID system. So one aspect is that. The other aspect of the project was this evaluation framework for digital ID, right? And that has happened in parallel to this kind of mapping exercise that we've been working on. And they kind of work very nicely together because they allow the team working on this project to come at the same problem from different perspectives. And I think that always leads to insights that you would not get if you only looked at it from one perspective. So on the one hand, the evaluation framework tries to assess national ID programs from kind of three viewpoints. One is it looks at them through a rule of law perspective. Uh, The second is through the perspective of the rights of people. And the third is through risks. So for instance, uh, this framework has been used to evaluate the digital ID system in Estonia, while in parallel, we have also studied the system in Estonia through systems mapping. I think Estonia is also a good example to discuss because it had the interesting aspect of what they call uh, X-road interoperability. And I think by studying it through systems mapping, we not only gained a better understanding of how that system works, uh, but also we got to see how it 
allows that particular id system to work in a fashion that is very very specific to it so far we have spoken about systems thinking and this design based framework in a high level broader way but uh, do you also want to talk about uh, specific exercises that have uh, utilized this in the countries that you have studied sure so uh, i think to to start with we when we did realize that we can use systems thinking as an approach in the project we also started to understand how we can implement it in a in a more effective way with a team of lawyers and engineers who were not very well acquainted with systems thinking as an approach we began with holding a workshop with the entire team and to understand how the systems thinking actually works how to implement it to understand it conceptually as well beyond that workshop uh, we began looking at the countries that we'll be studying for this purpose and we started with estonia and uh, estonia was uh, also unique in the sense that it had multiple digital id systems actively functional at the same time which meant a lot more complicated ways of looking at the system which also meant uh, many more subsystems because of their uses in various different sectors in the country i think what we started with was a visual mapping methodology which meant that uh, we started something called the eraf model in systems thinking approach so the eraf stands for entities relationships attributes and flows and when we are we are looking at a certain sector of a certain country say uh, once again healthcare in estonia we tried to map all the entities we tried to map their relationships and we tried to map uh, sometimes various different attributes that each of those entities might have and how the flows of data happen between these entities apart from building these eraf models the objective was to not make them some kind of a representational map but to also make them in a way that helps us understand the patterns in the system or helps us to evaluate the system in a certain way so these are methodology based maps these are not maps to represent a system so i think some challenges that we faced of course was to bring everybody to the same page of understanding how this approach works because in in most uh, common understanding we we realize that uh, when, whenever we create a visual map it's supposed to be helpful in reading the system or helpful in understanding how a system is generally functioning but the systems map does a little more than that it may help you in reading the system but may it may also help you in understanding something called emergence or something called synergy or in the systems thinking terminology once you map a system something more emerges from it than just the parts of that system so it's it's not just that uh, the hospitals or the physicians or the patients or the ambulances that are part of the system but you also understand how these are connected with each other and how something that you may have not realized as puja pointed out earlier could emerge from this system it could be sometimes how data travels between these entities or it could be sometimes how there could be a potential connection between these entities so i think that was something that we tried with estonia and uh, uh, of course there was a process mapping exercise that we came up with later on once we realized that we couldn't capture this information in the form of a systems map alone and uh, i think similarly we realized that in various countries we might have different needs for different systems and as we went on with uk we kind of had to reiterate some of our design choices we had to come up with a mapping in a, in different ways so i think overall we learned different uh, methodologies over the course of the project as well 
Yeah, and I think like just in terms of doing this on a day-to-day basis, it it kind of offered an interesting challenge to everyone working on the project in the context of the kind of research that was required to make these maps possible wasn't necessarily uh, what one was used to doing, right? So if you were mapping the process of, say, how do I get an ID in Nigeria, you know, we would ask a question on every step. So, okay, the person goes to the center, what documents do they carry? And then, you know, we wanted to know exactly what those documents were. And then we wanted to know that if they were bringing, if they had filled a form online, uh, would they have to bring a copy? Would it be okay if they showed up without a copy? Like, we were really getting into the details of a lot of these processes. Same with, you know, systems mapping. Like, we were really interested in kind of being able to articulate each relationship with as much clarity as possible. And wherever that was missing, it meant more research. So it also meant that this entire exercise was very iterative, both within the research for a single map, but also overall. So, you know, one round of research happens and one tries to make a map. And then there is, you realize that there is information that you don't have. And then another round of research happens and the map becomes richer as a result of it. And that happens a number of times did we reach a point where the map feels sufficiently complete that someone could use it as one of the tools to understand, you know, that particular aspect of the ID system. So I think what it really brought to all of us and to this project was this notion of iterative research and questioning at every step whether our research was genuinely complete. It probably isn't even at this point, but kind of not feeling complacent and oh we've done research and we have everything we've got this methodology because we had to visually represent these maps it made the gaps very obvious and clear in a way that they could not be ignored and I think to that extent also this exercise is bringing more completeness to the work that we are doing. Yeah, that's great. I can see how important this exercise is and how much design is making a difference to the Digital ID Research Project as a whole. What do you think about other research projects standing to gain in different ways from design frameworks or methodologies? So in the last you know, several years, people have obviously realized that technology has is now playing a huge role in how our interactions are mediated. And that has made technology an important aspect to study and to understand before one makes policies, right? And I think design as a whole is beginning to play a similar role in the sense that it is design that mediates how technology is mediating our interactions, if that makes sense. I mean, it it just adds another layer. And I do think that for those who are studying not just digital ID, but also privacy or cybersecurity or whatever, design is a layer in how people experience all of this. And it does help if those researching these issues or trying to understand them or communicate them to others have an understanding of um, how design works, what it can or cannot do, what are the intentions with which design is being done. So I think there is that one whole area of how design must be studied now for these things to be more comprehensive. I will let Soumya talk more about what kind of methodologies we could use. 
Thanks, Pooja. So I think uh, in terms of how design can be used for other policy research projects as well, I think one way to go, of course, is is to look at it as a more holistic approach. Whenever we look at design, we look at a, a certain segment in a project. But if we try to uh, conceptually look at certain things before beginning the project, that's always helpful, the way we've tried to do in the Digital ID project as well. The second thing I think about uh, is adopting visual thinking several times. It could be research methodology, it could be a way of representation of the research that was conducted. But in many ways, uh, putting to get together things visually also lets people derive insights of the research that has been done. Placing the research in several ways, organizing it in several ways also helps one understand how to look at the insights, how to look at uh, inferences and take that forward. Another thing is, is, of course, the reiterative process that we've talked about a lot right now. I think reiteration generally means that it's something that is already also very common in design processes where you begin something and you realize that you need to go back and do the exercise again. So uh, so several times we, we begin with research and then we begin with ideation or thinking about several ways of addressing a certain kind of a concern. But we realize during that part of the process that we need to do, go back and do more research. And or it could be even at the, at the point of coming up with a solution and then we realize at that point that you need to abandon this and go back to more research. So this kind of a reiterative process is also very important to even policy research projects, I feel, hmm. because we keep going forward without sometimes critically questioning the work that we've done in the past. And also just so many things are constantly changing as well, right? And those perhaps should be taken into account while you're researching as well, and not just as things that are happening right now. So they're attractive, but just how that might change how you've been thinking about a complex problem altogether. Right, absolutely. I think in several ways, even design needs to look within in terms of technology, in terms of policy research, because currently, I don't suppose there is a very clear, even pedagogical kind of understanding of how policy research should be a part of design education. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think perhaps like right now, because we've been talking about design methodologies, it paints a kind of rosy picture of what design can do and does do but I mean the picture is not rosy and there is a lot of thinking that is required in terms of how to do this in a way that is sensible much like there is need to think about how to study technology or policy or how to see you know issues from those perspectives right yeah thank you thank you for this enlightening discussion I think our uh, listeners will appreciate this perspective which is something which is not very easy to find in this field of research and uh, something our podcast is covering for the first time for listeners who are looking to read more about the digital ID project or looking to see what is forthcoming from the project do you want to talk about things the project will release soon or key publications that may be of interest to listeners who want to know more about this um i think the big piece of research that has happened in the project i guess not just research but research and thinking that's happened in the project is the evaluation framework for digital id that was released earlier this year it's a long document, but it comes with a few shorter pieces that you can read for like, you know, a mellow introduction into the subject. And it comes with, I think, about half a dozen case studies, which help you see how such an evaluation framework can be used practically to assess digital ID programs and use cases across the world. Yeah, so I would think that that would be a very useful piece to look at. Uh, 
Samya, what else? Uh, I think there's also the judicial trends work that has happened recently and has been published on the Digital ID website. It looks at how digital ID programs are being looked at by courts. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also, I think, the recent work on ID4D work, which has happened, which is also looking at the good ID practices in Africa and the various countries that have adopted digital ID systems there. And I think what should be forthcoming maybe in a couple of months should be a very extensive survey of different technologies used in digital ID. So you can kind of see how all of that comes together in the form of the research questions I spoke about right in the beginning. So how do courts look at it? What are the technologies? How can we assess uh, digital IDs? So yeah, so if you're interested in understanding digital ID in general, I think the project is a good place to start because it gives you um, a few different entry points into this complex issue, depending on what you know you are most familiar with. Yeah, uh, so for our listeners, uh, we will post all of these publications and readings in the reading list that you will find wherever you're listening to this podcast on. This has been the first part of our two-part finale focusing on the Digital ID Project at the Center for Internet and Society. And the next episode, we will have two more researchers on the project talking about the project from a technical and policy perspective. Thank you, Soumya. Thank you, Pooja, for speaking to me and uh, telling our listeners so many interesting things about the digital ID project, the use of design in this project and what design could do for the policy research sector as a whole. I'm sure hopefully a lot of people listening to this will start considering using design frameworks or methodologies in their research. And uh, so, yeah, thank you. Thank you for uh, joining me today. It was great speaking to both of you. Thank you, Pranav. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. This episode was produced by the folks at the Center for Internet and Society. Intro music, Fish Attack by Alpha Hydrate. Outro music, Palette de Will by Quick Wheat. <laughs>